This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Peggy Duggan, Executive Vice President and Chief Medical Officer at Tampa General Hospital. Dr. Duggan, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in healthcare, and especially I know Tampa General is on the forefront of a lot of different innovations and things going on. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. So um, I'm so grateful to be here today. Thank you for inviting me. Um, as you said, I'm Dr. Peggy Duggan, and currently I'm the Executive Vice President and Chief Medical Officer here at Tampa General. I've been here for almost two years now. Uh, so joined Tampa in the middle of the t- pandemic, uh, moved here from the New England area, and had spent uh, much of my career at the Brigham in the Mass General Brigham system. I was an academic breast surgeon there. And I had moved into administration and was the um, chief medical officer at the Brigham Women's Faulkner Hospital for about seven years. So lots of leadership experience in the Northeast and then moved here just about two years ago uh, to take on this uh, position at Tampa General, which has been a a really, um, despite it being in the middle of the pandemic and lots of uh, challenges, just a really exciting move for for me, uh, considering all the work Tampa is doing and the way we approach care. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds fantastic. And even as you said, during the pandemic, I can imagine a move like this and really taking on such an important leadership role at Tampa General Hospital was really an exciting time to be able to tackle some of the big problems and improve the care for the communities that you serve. So, you know, when you think about the last two years, what do you, something that you're proud of that you've been able to accomplish at Tampa General so far? What was that move like for you? How did you make the decision to make that move and then, you know, what have you been able to do since then? Yeah, so one of the reasons I came to um, Tampa General really was the uh, work that had been done in quality. And so, you know, I had been watching from a distance kind of the work John and the team had been, John Corris, our president, and the team had been um, doing in the strategic planning here and then the real quality journey. So they took quality and put quality at the top of the agenda for the organization, and that was really attractive to me. Uh, having been in the Mass General Brigham system as long as I had, you know, I had, a, had learned and gained a lot of skill in uh, quality care delivery and in safety. And then I had the, um, I'll call it fortune now, at the time it was really challenging, but they're really the great fortune to be as part of the command uh, center for the system in addition to the Brigham and then my local hospital, the Brigham and Faulkner. So when I came to Tampa General, I brought that skill of a system-wide look at this approach to the emergency that was the COVID-19 pandemic. And that was great training for me when I got here because of the, the effects of the Delta wave at Tampa General and across the state of Florida. So that was a really trying time for our organization. You know, it wasn't as um, impactful that first wave of the pandemic in this part of the country, but uh, certainly the Delta, um, it really was a furious experience for our teams. And it really did a couple of things for me. One, I was able to apply the skills I had learned in my prior um, really experience in the Northeast, but also it brought me very close almost immediately to our medical staff and our clinical teams uh, in a time that with all the remote work, and all the um, non-in-person meetings, it would have been quite challenging to get to know people. So I was able to jump right in to that work and, and a huge 
amount of work done by myself and my team on making sure we had safe staffing for what was probably one of the hardest times um, to deliver care with such sick patients in our organization. Absolutely. I know it was just a lot for healthcare organizations across the country to take on and definitely something that, you know, was so important for the communities as well to be able to stand up those types of efforts and commands and, and, and really care for people who were going through something that had never seen been seen before in their lives. So, um, you know, that's definitely much appreciated. And now thinking about where we're at today, you know, I know there's still a lot of COVID-19 cases. Ideally, many of them are less severe than they were before the vaccine. But when you look at where you're at right now, what are some of the biggest issues that you're following in healthcare? What are you really thinking about uh, headed into next year? Yeah, I, I would say the big focus here, and I think in many uh, organizations now, is really uh, trying to recenter ourselves. Right. So we've spent a couple of years really in a very disrupted um, healthcare market. In many ways, the supply chain, the types of patients we're caring for, and the patients that we weren't caring for. You know how hard it was for us not to have access for patients for routine work. So now I, I see us really taking a breath and a moment to recenter ourselves and, and refocus on uh, the delivery of care, right? So um, a couple of things like, you know, family at the bedside. So years, right, we didn't have family at the bedside through the pandemic. And that um, was a real innovation in patient experience that was lost. And so getting the teams back around how critical it is to have family presence at the bedside 24-7, really, in our organization um, has become one of our focuses because that family is part of really driving safety and quality, and they're so helpful at the bedside, but it just had been so long since we've been doing that. So that, that's a huge initiative we went through, I would say, over the last six months, uh, really driving, again, that, that need for patients' families to be with them. Tying that to refocusing again on patient experience. I, I will say, I think one of the things the pandemic did that was um, truly unfortunate, along with so many other things, was it really sidelined the idea of the experience of the patient. We were so busy uh, with all the new um, ways to manage patients, all the um, distance and the masking, and uh, that we, we patient experience really did fall by the wayside in many ways. So really reigniting that passion around not just delivering care to our patient, but how do they feel about it? What's their experience of care? And we're doing a ton of work around that right now in our organization uh, to bring that back to the center. And then um, just that sense of um, focusing again kind of on quality and safety and the, truly some of the basics that in a crisis, we were doing what we needed to do. Uh, we know there was a, a large exodus of some experienced people in the healthcare. And now we have um, lots of really talented, really enthusiastic care providers, nurses, PCAs, PCTs, and, and clinicians, physicians, um, but they're younger and need that guidance uh, to get us kind of back around those consistent practices. So that's a, a lot of what we're focusing on and certainly a lot of what we're, we're focusing on in my division with quality and safety to just bring that truly to the forefront and, and start talking about like the total package of care again, what that means. Yeah, I think that's a really good point and definitely refreshing here, you know, being able to refocus on some of those things that, you know, were really top of mind before the pandemic, like you said, thinking about patient quality and patient experience and really what that means and how you can 
do that the right way for your patients and also make sure that the care is efficient and effective for your care teams as well. You know, when you look at whether it's next year or something that you've been working on this year, you know, are, are there any particular initiatives that you're excited about or, or something that's worked really well in terms of boosting the patient experience and, and making a difference for those who are coming into the health system? Yeah, I think a huge part of it has been um, going back to uh, really working on um, leader rounding, right? So having the leaders out on the floors, uh, talking to patients, making sure they're getting what they're, they need, and, and coaching their teams on really the delivery of care. And so here, we have a big initiative on nurse leader rounding, because that's a big driver of that work. But we're also engaging all of our leaders so our leaders in food service and, and EVS and, you know, all and transport, because every person who touches a patient during their time in the hospital contributes to the experience the patient has. And so we're, we've really broadened the scope of that, that focus to bring everyone around to the goal of, you know, providing the best, you know, highest quality care, but also having the patient feel that and leave the hospital feeling like they've gotten everything that they need in a way that um, makes sense to them. That's fantastic to hear. Now, you know, that that is so amazing. You've been able to do so many different things. And now when you look ahead, what are you most excited about and what makes you nervous? Yeah, so I have a lot of things I'm excited about. Uh, we're doing some really exciting work here at Tampa General on the management of sepsis. And so um, this is, sepsis is obviously the leading cause of death in hospitals across the country. Uh, it's a difficult diagnosis to make and it's a hard uh, a disease to treat, especially because you need to inter interact so quickly and really intervene very efficiently for patients who are uh, developing sepsis. So we have a couple of uh, really exciting um, components that have made a difference. We've worked very hard. We have a um, command center that really pulled all the data from our EHR, and we've developed an early warning system for sepsis. So we have a um, early warning system that will alert us that a patient looks like they're developing sepsis, either by their vital signs or laboratories or by notes that are being written by providers. Our rapid response nursing team are, monitor that tile, and then they will intervene if they see a patient going and looking like they're developing sepsis. And the important component to that is a lot of things can look like sepsis, and we're going to call the physician, right, and ask them to execute a certain set of orders if the patient's really septic. So we have that team really um, double-checking, making sure the patient looks like it truly is a sepsis and not a you know, liver failure or some other thing that could look like sepsis. Once that's done, then the sepsis pathway is, uh, is written, those set of orders, and then we have a whole team working on really analytics, and not just analytics, but AI, real learning around how to keep patients on the pathway. And so that's, we've seen a reduction really beautiful reduction in early deaths from sepsis and overall deaths from sepsis in, since we've started this process. And so to me, that's a really exciting opportunity um, to bring our teams around a really serious illness that we're making an impact in. My other um, thing I'm very excited about is we've built, you know, and I think this, again, this is a national problem we see uh, across the country. The length of stay in hospitals is, is longer creating a lot of capacity issues. So we brought the entire organization around this problem. And so myself and our chief financial officer co-lead uh, this group looking at all the causes 
of length of stay extension. So by by condition, right? So there's certain conditions we see are, are having longer length of stay. We put a, a team of clinicians around it if it's around managing that condition more efficiently. And then there's barriers like, uh, you know, safe patient discharges, getting the patient to the right level of care, finding a, the right um, skilled nursing facility. That's another set of work. And we have a team working on that, those activities. And between those two, we've really seen a nice steady decline over the past six months in our length of stay and our excess days, creating the capacity we need across the organization. So those are the, I would say the two initiatives that are tactically uh, the most exciting, but the most important thing I'm doing is, is driving the high reliability um, work into our, in our organization. And so Tampa General is on a journey to become a truly um, certified high reliability organization. And we're in the midst of training our teams now uh, and really driving kind of that work around creating reliable systems so that human error does not lead to uh, patient harm. And, and for me, that's so important because I'm, you know, I'm, as a chief medical officer, patient care is really my focus and safety, but also for our team members, right? If we can create re, uh, re redundant and resilient systems, then a human error doesn't lead to a bad outcome for a patient. And that's what, um, that's the moral injury our, our teams feel, right? And so any human can make an error uh, what we're trying to do is allow for the fact that humans make errors, but there's redundancy to prevent harm. And that's really going to help our team stay um, enthusiastic and, and really providing care at the bedside. So that's the thing I'm most excited about is in the big picture. As far as nervous, um, I wouldn't say I'm the type of person who, who gets nervous, but a couple of the things I'm really focused on and attentive to is our, our staffing, you know, having enough people to, to provide the care. Uh, and focused on um, really, again, putting the idea of care first. In busy times, people focus on, can we move the patients more efficiently? Um, what I don't wanna see in our, in our organization or in any healthcare system that that goes in front of or becomes more important of full care delivery or the best provided care. Because I, I do believe when we do the right work, at the beginning and provide patients what they need, it will lead to those efficiencies. So that's a lot of pressure we feel that production pressure is out there because it's so busy um, and the ED is you know, kind of backed up and we're trying to care for as many patients as possible. But I'm, I remain uh, concerned that that production pressure can lead to people um, feeling that the need to move things faster than necessary and not hit all the, the safety targets. So we're working very hard with our teams to prioritize carefully what we do and what we put first in our, in our organization. And again, I think these are national trends we're seeing and people are, uh, many organizations are working on this at the same time, trying to create that redundancy. Absolutely, I think that is a really great point in terms of making sure you've got you know, those safety um, uh, concerns right up front and center in creating those redundancies so that errors don't happen and, and you've got, um, you know, you can catch those and make sure that patient safety is front of, of mind, even as, you know, you're looking through systems and trying to figure out how to make the um, capacity issues, you know, uh, clear some of that up exactly. and, and make things efficient in the exactly. health system. You can't, like you said, you can't, uh, you know, sacrifice quality or patient safety for it. So that's a really, really great point. Um, I think, you know, I would love, before we wrap up our conversation here, for you to touch a little bit on leadership. 
what do you feel is necessary for healthcare leaders to be effective and successful over the next two or three years, especially looking at how healthcare is changing and what patients as well as care teams need from their leaders? Yeah, so I, I think there's a number of things we need as leaders. First, a clear message, right? So uh, um, in my two years here at Tampa General, I think I've developed a clear message around our reliability work around putting safety first. And people know kind of what my um, expectation is and what my, my um, really priority is. And I think a clear message really helps the team uh, to avoid ambiguity. But you have to be flexible too. It's not easy, the work we do, and it's important what we do. So uh, I feel uh, that it's just as important for me to be listening and hearing uh, the barriers people have to their success. I, I can't say enough about spending time with teams, hearing what their their uh, workflows are, and really trying to resource any of the work uh, that we do and that we need, trying to really provide those resources to our teams. So I think you have to listen as well. And then honestly, you have to still keep that growth mindset where we've got to be providing more excellent care to people, along with uh, doing that through being as efficient as possible and, and really good, tight utilization. So we're not over-testing patients, not under-testing them, really getting it just where it should be. So that I think you have to put a combination of things together, but clear messaging more than anything and living that message, right? Uh, you got to have the message, but you also have to live that message in order for people to really get behind it and follow that's an excellent point. Dr. Duggan, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fun conversation, and I hope you can come back and speak with us again soon. Well, thank you so much. It was great. I appreciate the opportunity.